You know, I thought about, uh, good to have Dick back, even though he picks on me. Uh, but you know, uh, I understand that uh, last spring, Dick brought a pickup truck to church one Sunday and had it loaded pretty heavy. Didn't have time to unload it, so he brought it to church. And when he got out of church and a young fellow was standing out there in the parking lot and looked over and seen that pickup just piled full, he said, Mr., what you got in that truck? He said, I got fertilizer. He said, what are you going to do with it? He said, well, young man, I'm going to put it on the strawberries. He said, really? You ought to come to my house. We put sugar and whipped cream on ours. <laughs> All right, Dick. I want to share with you this morning, uh, it goes on in my mind over and over and over again about all that we hear today. The big phrase, and every time you turn on the news anywhere anymore, is fake news. But you know that phrase isn't something new. You know, we, we have all kinds of fake things. I, I begin to think about this as driving along in a car this week, and I thought about all the things that are... You know that there are some folks that may pay sixty, seventy thousand dollars for an off-road vehicle that they never take off the road, and they felt a little guilty going into some of these restaurants and parking in the lot, and so they come up with some fake spray mud that they put on the side of them. Never take it off the road, but you got fake mud. We got fake flowers. We got fake fingernails. We got fake eyelashes. I, I mean, when I begin to think about all these things we have, you know, we got fake, fake security systems, fake diamonds, fake pets. You know, we got pets. You don't have to walk anymore. I mean, you just, you know, they're, they're automatic. You know, you got them there. You can, you can turn them on, turn them off, whatever you want to do. But, you know, I thought about all the things that we have that are fake. And then I got a hold of the Scripture in chapter 23 of Matthew. Explained it all. Matthew 23, beginning at verse 1. Jesus said to the crowds and to His disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do for they do not practice what they preach. They tie heavy loads upon men's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to lift the finger to move them. Everything they do is done to be seen of men. They love the place of honors and banquets and place of seats, the important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and have men call them rabbis. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are, you are all brothers. And you do not call anyone on earth father, for you have only one father, he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you are, there is only one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will become servants, for whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whosoever humbles himself will be exalted. I want to take the text this morning that simply says that they were sitting in the law in the seat of Moses. They were to do and to teach everything that he taught. 
So he said, listen to what they have to say. Listen to every word. But don't follow them. I thought about today, not fake news, but fake religion. Fake religion all around us. Everywhere we turn, everywhere we look. Kind of like the story that Liz Curtis Higgins talks about. A woman that she met in Texas, who and her husband, her, the woman's name was May, and her and her husband invited May and her family over to their house for supper. Well, if you've ever been in Texas, uh, I don't recommend it, I've been there, but, uh, but if you've ever been in Texas, you know when you go to somebody's house, you take a gift. And so May had brought them a clay pot of tulips. And they brought it, and she set it on the table. She said, there was, she said it was not the most attractive pot of tulips you'd ever want to see. In fact, half of the bulbs were sticking out of the dirt. And the tulips were there, but she said they were our best friends, and they visited quite often, and so I didn't want to get rid of that pot of tulips, even though it wasn't the most attractive thing. She said I would water it. I would get plant food and put on it. In the spring, I would set it out on my deck. And I would, in the fall, before the first frost came, I would bring it back in. And she said, I did this religiously for two years. And then one day, she said, my six-year-old boy, I happened to notice that he was over there, he was feeling the pebbles, uh, the, the flower, and he said, hey, don't touch that. You'll, you'll ruin that flower. It's been blooming for two years. He said, Mom, don't you know it's a fake? You know, she thought, my goodness, I've been taking care of this flower for two years, and it is fake. It was, it was hardy. And yet I thought about that, you know. Don't you realize that sometimes the most hardiest, the most, most alive, the most perfect sometimes is those things that are fake. They're fake. You know, there was a years back, years ago, my wife said, be careful what you say, but, but you know, years ago, I remember we were coming through the part of the country and, you know, women was, everybody was buying these hair wigs. And we came by a store, you know, down south, and they had this, what they called a, a market outlet on hair pieces. We went in there and spent a few hours. I believe she bought one. I don't know how much she ever wore it. But you know, I thought about that. We got so much fake today. And the reason is, is because, you see, when you had a, a fake hairpiece, whether it's men or women, if you have a fake hairpiece, you don't have to worry about your getting up early in the morning and making sure your hair's all right. You just stick that fake thing on. And you know what people say? Oh, your hair looks so nice today. It looks more perfect than when you do it. Why? Because, you see, a fake thing is hardy. It has its place. It never changes. But I want to tell you something. We need to be careful on all the fake that we see around you see, fake things sometimes can be more real than, than those things that are really real. I thought about reading some time ago a Metropolitan Museum of Art in Amsterdam had, had these paintings that were worth millions of dollars. And so they made some prints of it. And they set them out as people would come through the museum and, and they run a contest. They, they wanted to see whether you could choose what was the real painting and what was the fake. Out of 1,827 people in that contest, only seven of them actually was able to identify the real piece. Think about that. 1,820 people thought it was the real thing. 
No wonder we have so much today fake things that goes on. No wonder that we see it fake, it's fake throughout everywhere we go. You see, because you see, sometimes we can make the fake look as real and sometimes even better than what the real thing is. Well, let me just say to you this morning, I believe that we got to be careful on the fake news that we give. Our nation has lost a great hero this last week. One of the greatest preachers this nation ever have, Dr. Billy Graham. I don't know if you've ever heard him preach or whether you've ever been to one of his meetings or not, but I have. And you know what? He was such a great communicator. Not only a communicator, but he loved people. He cared about people. He tells a story, Dr. Graham tells a story one time on one of his crusades that we were at. He's telling about a family out of South Carolina. South Carolina, a little old town that didn't have much, just a low attendance of people. And he said they were going to New York City. They were going on vacation. They told everybody in town they were going to New York City. And while they were there, they were going to go to the Broadway musical. Well, everybody in town was excited about this family. They, nobody had ever been to a Broadway show before. And so they were going, and as they made their way and got to New York and, and saw all that they saw, they, they la- waited to the very last day that they were going to go to the Broadway musical so they could come back and tell everybody in the community about it. They got the taxi. They left. They went to the theater. And when they got there, it was sold out. And so they did the best thing. They faked it. They decided to pick up some of them tickets that was torn on the ground. And they went over and they bought a program. And then they went and bought a a tape. And they put the tape in the car and drove back to South Carolina from New York, singing all the way back to the musical. I could have danced all night. And when they got home, they never told anybody they didn't see the place. They had the program. They had the tickets and they had the music. You see, they faked it in order to cover up their embarrassment. How many people do we know today that are faking it in their life? They're not really living the kind of life. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said we need to be careful that we don't become deceptive. This brings me to the harsh criticism that Jesus gave to the Pharisees. He said the teachers of the law... And the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Jesus said on one occasion, so you must be careful to do not do everything that they do. You see, this is the thing that we need to realize today. Everything they do, they do for the show of people. How many people today do you know that live their life worried more about what the neighbor will think, worried about what somebody else will think, than what the Lord thinks? You see, we're afraid to take our stand. We're afraid to stand for what Jesus has called us to stand for. A lot of people are like Pharisees. And you know what? The sad part is, if I've been in the church long enough to know, and I've preached enough places to know, that we have the same thing that's on in churches today. We have people that will put burdens on other people's back. They'll tell you to do one thing and they wouldn't lift a hand to do it themselves. They'll tell you it ought to be done this way, but they're not there to do it. I I pastored a few of those churches, you know that. I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. You see, sometimes we become Pharisees if we're not careful. We don't live and they're real. We have a fake religion and we need to be careful. We're kind of like a contemporary, you know. I, I remember a pastor one time, I was down at Springfield Camp Meeting <laughs> a few years ago. Dean, you've been there, you know what it's all about. I was down at Camp Meeting one day and a fellow got up there and he began to preach about me having a necktie on. But the same preacher 
when we went to the altar about knock somebody out because he was more contemporary, he must have had a five-pound cross hanging around his neck. And when he hung over, almost hit a guy in the head and knocked him out. You know, it makes, makes sense to me. Why in the world, you see, that's, that, that's trying to say I'm somebody. You know, it's kind of like the people that put all these bumper stickers on their cars. And I preached about this a few times. I've had a lot of people used to bring in. My secretary used to say, you got a whole pile of bumper stickers because they knew I'd never use a bumper sticker on my car. I, I didn't want to mess up my bumper. I didn't want to mess up my car. And so I wouldn't wear them. But you know there's a lot of people today that are wearing that. You know, I thought about one of, one of my seen on a car. It said, my God's, di- my God's alive. Sorry about yours. And I begin to think about, you know, there's a question on that. Is it faith or is it flash? Is it really you believe that? Or is it the fact that you just want somebody to believe that you believe that? You see, the problem that we have... Now, Jesus was not saying that the Pharisees were necessarily bad people. Actually, they were probably, to the standards of that day, they were probably the best people around, the best people in their community. Jesus was simply saying that some people like to put on a show of their religion and it's not necessarily authentic. It's not necessarily real. So don't be taken in. He was saying that pride of position that the Pharisees had, the pride of position was more important to the Pharisees than service to the people. Is it not true yet today? The pride of position, the pride of saying who we are rather than being the people that we ought to be. I, I've been in, I've been in a few churches, you know, that they got a nice pretty building. You got a nice pretty building. But you know, you didn't dare want to tell somebody, you know, you tell a little kid, you know, draw this picture of Jesus or draw this picture of the resurrection. And, and then they, then the board comes along and says, don't be sticking them things on the wall. It pulls the paint off. What are we looking for? Are we looking to try to teach them about Jesus? Or are we trying to teach them that we have a sex? You know what? It can become a museum when it's empty. You see, the problem is, is that sometimes we, we become like the Pharisees and don't even realize it. The Pharisees, you see, they were not just so bad people. Appearances was more important to them than being real. And now, obviously, the Pharisees was not the only people that were given to temptation of the Pharisees. You see, we see them all around. You know, I thought about this. You know, all of us have fussed about it, and I, I still, uh, every once in a while, my grandkids remind me because I remind them about the seatbelt. But you know that back before the America even got them, Italy had them. They got them fast cars over there. So at about 1980, they made a rule in, 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 in Italy that you couldn't ride in a car without a seatbelt on. And a lot of people bucked that, just like they do here in the United States. And so one fellow got the idea. I'll make some money off of this. So he began to design a t-shirt and he began to take white t-shirts and paint a seatbelt across them and sell them so that they could deceive the cops. They would put the seat shirt on and ride in the car without a seatbelt. And I got to thinking, you know what? That that's you know that's fake. That's fake seatbelt. I just wondered when they had an accident, somebody was bleeding, that they could find a fake doctor to take care of them. <laughs> you see, the fakeness that we have is unreal today. And I tell you, it bothers me. Many people are more on appearance than they ever are on what is real. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Sometimes it's appearances. You know, sometimes, I, I don't know, appearances. You know, I, I, I preached, I won't tell you where the church was, but I preached in the church several years ago, and 
I got up. They they had me. They had, had a good group up there. They were just singing. They had all their instruments and all this stuff, and they were they were just having a great time, and I enjoyed it. But you know what? When they introduced me, they auctioned. I didn't preach to one of those folks. And I began to think when I left, I wonder whether they were really a worship team or just a show team. You know, sometimes that happens in churches. Sometimes, you know, we just want to be a showman rather than be the person that leads people to the place to where they want to worship. I thank God, and I've shared this with our leaders here that are leading our music. What a wonderful time. My wife sat there this morning and said, isn't this great? The music that we led us into worship to bring us to the place to where it's not hard to get up here and preach because they've already got you ready for it. You see, it's nothing fake about it. Appearances versus being real. It's rampant in our society. By the way, it's not just in church. Have you checked your labels lately? I read, I get this magazine, they're always trying to tell me this USA uh, World Report magazine, and so every once in a while I get a flyer on it. And one of the flyers that I got on the USA, you know, the manufacturer's size, it was the same size box of soap powder that used to give you 61 ounces of soap. They use the same box today, but they only put 55 ounces in it. And I thought, you know what, that'll preach. That's about the way a lot of people are. They wear the same size box, but there's nothing on the inside. There has to be something there. And so I thought about that, you know. And you know how something wrapped doesn't always make it what it is on the insides. And that's true of people as well as detergents. The Pharisees whom Jesus criticized were on appearance rather than being real. And on this point, Jesus was saying to them, you're just like the Pharisees. Jesus was concerned about what was in the heart, not so much what they saw on the outside. Jesus was more concerned about what was going on. You know what? And I thought about this. You know, there's so many times, you know, I thought about a fellow by the name of Ed Young that tells a story about how he and his friend named Walter, they were great friends and they, they, they did things together, but Walter was an atheist. He didn't believe there was even a God. And one day, the sun was shining beautiful, and it was one of those days he could, he had to make up his mind. Walter said, you know what? There's not a lot of people on Sunday morning out there on the golf course. You know, we could go out there, and we could have a game, and we could move right along. And so he decided to quit going to church. He decided to just go out to the golf course. He and Walter's out there. And they're out there, and they hit a few balls, and pretty soon they're in conversation. And Walter turned to him and said, you know... Ed, he said, uh, do you believe in God? Well, certainly I believe in God. Do you believe God's really real? He said, I sure do. He said, strange thing. We're best friends. He said, but you know what? I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. But you do the same things I do, and I do the same thing you do. Ed said, man, I'll tell you what, it went through me like a strike of lightning. He said, it's all I could do to get off that golf course. And I got in my car, and I drove home, and I went upstairs to my room, and I got on my knees before my bed, and I said, God, forgive me, for I have lost out with you because I've let something else come between us. Lord, the message that I've, the best message I've ever heard preached was preached to me by an atheist who told me if you really believed it, you'd live it. You know, there's a lot of people out there in the world that says, 
I'd like to, I'd like to believe in God. I'd like to believe in the church. I'd like to believe, but you know, they look sometimes at their neighbors and they look sometimes at the people they work with that don't live up to the par. The package may look good on the outside on the weekend, but what's it look like on the weekday? What's it look like on Saturday night rather than just on Sunday morning? You see, what I'm talking about is, is, is the fakeness that we have today. We need to realize today that there's so much fake out there, it's no wonder. It's no wonder people are having problem believing. Let me tell you something. Jesus is saying, some of you have been there just like Ed had. Some of you have had those times. You, we all have. There's times when you lived, when you were living not according to what you said you believed. Do you really believe what you, what you say? I mean, I mean, what you read and you believe in the book and you read the Bible and you say, you know, I believe this. But do you live it? There's a difference. Now, I may get in trouble. But I'm going to tell you what I believe. You know what? I find that people say they believe the Word of God. They believe in the power of prayer. They believe in the blood of Jesus Christ that can cleanse from sin. They believe that you follow what Jesus says. But I'll tell you what, I know a lot of people that would never do what Jesus did. When they see somebody hurting, do they reach down and help them? Not worrying about whether they get dirty themselves or whether they get blood on them or whether they get mud on them. Jesus had a heart for people. Jesus even had problems with his own disciples. Do you remember when Jesus was getting ready to go back to heaven and, oh, we're going to celebrate this in a few weeks. And Jesus called them all together and had what they called the Last Supper together. And they ate together. And then he got up and he took the bread and he broke it. He didn't put it in his mouth first, honey. <laughs> he just broke it. He just broke the bread, and he passed it to them. And they all took some off and ate it. And then he took the goblet of, 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 of the juice, the, the grape juice, and, and he drank, and he said, pass it among them. And we're good at that. But then he did something that's hard for most of us. He got up from the table, and he took his robe, and he took that towel, and he wrapped it around him. And he grabbed a basin and poured water in it. And he went to every one of his disciples and washed their feet. And Jesus said, I didn't say, Jesus said, As I have done unto them, you do also to one another. There's a lot of Christians today that have all kinds of theories of why. There was dirt in there. There was, dirt. There was dusty roads. Let me tell you something. There's dirt and dusty roads today. And they used that. You know what? That's true. They was. But every house had a vestibule that didn't have flowers sitting in it back then. It had a gallon of water and it had a couple of washbands and it had a towel hung up there. And when you walked in out of courtesy for them, you washed your own feet. But Jesus said, I want to teach you how to be a servant. A servant is one that is willing to lower himself and do as Jesus did. You know what? Sometimes I wonder, you know, about us in the church. The most effective witness you can make of your faith in Christ is simply live out what you say you believe. Just live out what you believe. That doesn't mean that you have to be some fanatic. I, everybody's not going to be like me. I know that. Thank God you're not all like me. Wouldn't it be an awful world if everybody was as crazy as I am? You know what? We, 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 that would be ridiculous. 
But I want to tell you something. It is, it is simply to be real. It means that you're not to be fans of Christ. You're to be followers of Christ. Jesus don't look for fans. He had lots of fans as long as the food was coming. As long as that manna from heaven was coming. I mean, I mean they weren't going to walk away. But what about the followers of Jesus? That's what he wants us to be. And I thought this morning, I'm not going to hold you long, but I don't know how many of you have ever listened to Chuck Swindoll's great Bible teacher. I don't agree with all of his doctrine, but I believe in the man. He, he had a great, great message. And he tells about, he tells about in, in one of his books, he talks about a man by the name of Troutman. Some of you may know Dawson Troutman. Troutman was the founder of Navigators which is probably one more young people to the Lord than any program out there. He was in the colleges, in the schools, and and Navigator Program was a tremendous program, worldwide organization dedicated to training Christians to share their faith. Troutman died after helping rescue two young ladies from drowning. Now, the amazing thing was is Troutman was a professional swimmer. He won gold medals. We never heard much about his swimming because he was such a he was such a great Christian trainer of teaching people how to share their faith. But it was amazing. The very thing that Troutman was the greatest in was the thing that took his death. He was out in a in, in a meeting and and there was a couple of young ladies that were drowning and he dove in and he he found the one and he brought her up and lifted her and someone took her and he went down for the second one and he brought her up and he got, they rescued her and then he went down and nobody found them for five hours later when they drugged the river or the lake. But the amazing thing was, in the newspaper, the headlines was Dawson. Troutman drowned, doing the thing he did best, lifting up people. I wonder what the headline would be for you and I. I wonder what the headline would be about our life. I wonder, you know, what people would think in the community that knew us, our neighbors, our friends, the people we work with, the people we fellowship with. What would it be? You see, what more could be said? Jesus said to the crowd and to the disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything this book says. But don't follow them. You know, there's a lot of people out there today that are following false leaders. According to the people, there was no greater way of sharing Troutman practiced what he preached. He practiced what he preached. And you know something? I thought about this. You know it's easy to give God 95% of our life. It's easy. I mean, everybody wants to live a good life. And you know, you can do that. You, you can give and you can, you can be a... Many people say, well, just ask Ask Brother Swagger, he'll do it. Ask this one, he'll do it. Ask Sister Swagger, she'll do it. You know, it's easy for us to do what people ask because we want to be helping one another. But what about that last 5%? When God asks us to forsake mother and father and sons and daughters, forsake all to pick up our cross and follow Him. I, I think it's the most amazing thing. 
my wife and I have traveled the length and breadth of this country. We've pastored some of the greatest people in the world. We have been blessed. And more children are constantly reminded of the fact that everything we have, we have because God has given it to us through His people. But you know what? What if we said, Lord, I'll go into ministry, but I'm not going over to the state of Pennsylvania. Or I say, Lord, I'll go into ministry, but don't send me out there to the hillside in, in Ohio. You see, that last 5%, the total commitment, you see, people can miss by that much. You know, I used to tell people, the only thing that counts by missing it just a little bit is your horseshoes. <laughs> if you don't get a ringer and it leans, or the one that's closest to the pole, we give them. We give them points for. But let me tell you something. You play basketball and you miss it by one point, you lost. You play baseball, you lost. You play football, you lost. If you lose in one area of your spiritual life, you're going to miss heaven. Because Jesus doesn't grade on a scale. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. So I'm saying to you this morning, I could care less about fake news. I could care less about fake hair and fingernails and whatever. But I, I am concerned about fake Christianity. I'm concerned about somebody that says, yeah, I believe in this book. I, I know what it says and I believe it. But it's one thing to believe it. You've got to get it from here to here. If you never get it down here, up here is not going to do you a bit of good. In fact, you just become a Pharisee. And you'll tell everybody else how to live, but are you willing to live it? Are you willing to do it? All the years in ministry, I've never asked anybody to do anything that I wouldn't do. My, my brother back here, we were sharing, I, I pastored his grandpa. And I'd have to say, there was one time I did something, got a bunch of men together, his house had burned, and I got a bunch of guys together, we were going to tear down that house and get it out of the way. And I scheduled all these men to do it. Now, I had a funeral that day. They never let me forget that. You sent us out there to do it, but you didn't show up. But let me tell you something. I've never asked anybody to do anything I wasn't willing to do. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe that we have to live by example. We cannot be fear. We have the fear today. We cannot afford to become Pharisees. We've got to be real people of God. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. God is able to forgive. God is able to help you to measure up. God is able to let you see that the goal is close, but you're not quite there. And this morning He's saying to you, you can make it across the line. All you have to do is give it all to me. I'll make a difference in your life. I'm going to let you have that opportunity this morning as we stand together. Father, this morning... You know the hearts and the lives. You know who sits within this building today. Lord, help us not only to know what the Word says, but help us to practice it. Help us to be a people of obedience. Help us, Lord, to seek and to search until we do and are in charge of what You have called us to be 
as Christians. Father, if there's one here this morning that's not quite to 100% goal, Lord, help them this day to make that commitment. Help them to say within their own hearts and lives, Lord, I, I give you all that I am or all I ever hope to be. I want you to take control of my life. Help us to go out of this building as real people for God, not fake. And we'll give you the thanks. In Christ's name we pray. Will you come as we sing?